You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. It's been a not-so-great past few days if you're an Indians fan. Let's be honest. Three in a row in terms of losses. Uh, We're going to talk about the July schedule. We're going to talk about how the June schedule ended up. We're going to talk about a theory I put together, uh, kind of about how this team is sticking around. And we'll just kind of track how some players are performing and the like on today's show. But let's start talking about that June schedule. So I talked about this at the very beginning of June, probably actually late May, that it's a cupcake, that you're not going to find an easier stretch of schedules. The Cubs are the only team on there that are contending, uh, the Cardinals as well. But the Cardinals uh, struggled in June. You faced some of the worst teams in baseball, and unfortunately you lost a series to the Pirates, who aren't even trying and to the Orioles, who are barely trying. At least the Orioles have an interesting lineup. Same time, they did take a four-game series sweep, so the Orioles kind of balances out. But this is an incredibly easy month. Again, you start with the White Sox for one game. Then it's the Orioles, the Cardinals, the Mariners, the Orioles, the Pirates, the Cubs, the Twins, the Tigers. For that entire month, this incredibly easy month, they were two games over 500. That's not ideal. I talked about at the end of this month, they needed to have gained ground in standings if they really wanted to have any chance at this division. I know there's people being like, it's only July. Like that's, you know, you're, you're overdoing this a bit. I, they're five games back. The White Sox have dealt with as many injury issues as the Indians have. It's been to their position players and not their pitching. Their pitching has been incredibly steady. But they lost their second baseman, their center fielder, um, another outfielder. Uh, they've lost three starters, and I mean, all for significant extended amounts of time. And they're up five games. The Indians lost ground in June. They didn't gain ground like they needed to. They lost ground. And part of it has been due to the three-game losing streak. There were two games back before then. But not taking care of business against... You know, that that is their easiest month. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the July schedule in a bit. But if you're going to lose ground when you're facing those teams, when you're facing the schedule that they're going to face coming up here in July, uh, you're going to lose a lot of ground. Uh, They went from facing multiple teams. They're going to pick in the top five in next year's MLB draft to facing multiple playoff teams. It's going to be rough. And, you know, people have been like, well, man, look at all the pitching injuries. Look at the struggles with the lineup. The lineup has improved. I think we'd all agree there. You know, the bullpen gets pointed out, but one can also point out with that bullpen, like, you know, I have the fan graphs data right here in front of me. Brian Shaw, we talked about how he found the fountain of youth, and there's a lot of things that Shaw does very well. And I also have the Savant data in front of me, but Brian Shaw in 32 innings has walked. Oh, I don't have the total here. He's, he's walking almost a guy, uh, a player in inning. It's it's less than ideal. Let's put it that way. He has an extremely high walk rate, which is why even though his ERA is 334, his FIP is a 424, nearly a whole run higher. And his war is just 0.1. He has the same war value this year as Oliver Perez. 
for Oliver Perez's uh, five games he pitched in. Same war value as Blake Parker for his 11 games. Uh, Phil Maton actually has a higher war value, interesting enough. Now, Maton's another one where his FIP is significantly different than his ERA. Uh, your, your low guys, uh, I mean, Nick Whitgren just hasn't had it this year. And that shows up both in the advanced data and in the, you know, the, uh, the biometric kind of data. So like when you're looking at the statistical side of things and when you kind of look at the things like the barrel percentage and hard hit, uh, he's coming out a net negative in all of those. He has been the Indians worst reliever this year. Well, but they do have class a and Karen Jock have been utterly fantastic. So the pen has been a part of that success, but it's, it's more those two arms. Uh, we've slowly seen Shaw kind of regress to the middle. And I don't think that's a surprise. Guys don't magically at age 33 find a new gear. Uh, he, he's he been useful. He's been a little overused, and that has kind of led to some exposure with him. I, I, he is going to continue to be overused, and that's going to be an issue. So I finally got it. It's 26 walks and 32 innings. That's a lot. <laughs> that's... Let's put it this way. Uh, in his entire career before this year, the most walks Brian Shaw allowed was 28. That's right. When he was pitching something like 70, 80, 74 games, 75 games, 79 games, the most he ever let, most walks he ever had was, I'm sorry, he did have a 29 one year in Colorado. He is already up to 26 in half as many games. He is on pace to walk, compared to those years, 52 players. You're looking at a guy who's going to, his walk rate has doubled this year. That's not going to lead to success. That's He's been lucky where he's stranding runners, but when your walk percentage is that high, when your walk rate is over seven per nine, you know, he's got a bat pip of 205. That should be about 290. So he's been very lucky. He's walking a lot of guys. He is striking out the highest of his career. That's the weird thing here where, his highest K per nine before this year was over nine. This year it's over 11. So that's helping him. But, you know, let's not make this the Brian Shaw podcast. But I'm just pointing this out to say that for as much as the bullpen has been a strength and as great as Karen Shaw and Class A are, Shaw is the chicken pop can that is just waiting to explode. And one could argue has over the past few weeks. If you just go into up his game log here uh let's see in his last one two three four five six it's last seven starts he's given up you know at least one run in four of those seven starts so that's where we're starting to see some of this come up and that's the pen has been a strength but it, it's one where you can't lean on the pen as much as they have it's just not going to continue to be there they've been largely lucky now would you be surprised if I talked about by Fangraphs War the top five players? Shane Bieber, who hasn't pitched in weeks. Aaron Savali. By the way, the number two and three are Savali and Classe. You combine them. They're not worth as much as Bieber was before injury. Uh, after that is Karen Chalk and then Nick Sandlin. I think is a surprise at the fifth spot with Plesak and Quantrell tied for sixth. That's where the, the pitching staff has been, and that's we got so used to the never-ending arms. We got used to pitching and pitching and pitching. And it wasn't even necessarily that they traded him away, but it just felt like when Danny Salazar fell apart, they had a new player in place. When 
someone else got, you know, when Kluber started to become less effective, which was occurring before uh, he was traded away, they had pieces in place. They had parts. And that was even when they trade Clevenger. They had more stuff there. Now, same time, even if they'd kept Carrasco, I still don't believe he has pitched this year. And I've talked about it earlier on the show multiple times that as a team, uh, you know, it's the majors through the minors. Seven of their top eight pitchers have been hurt this year, starting pitching-wise. And in the upper minors, almost every single one of their top pitching prospects has dealt with injuries outside of Tristan McKenzie, who's just struggled with effectiveness. So that's part of it. And then it's just been, you know, I spent a lot of time in Akron back in 2017, 2018. And there was a lot of filler arms. Uh, you still see some of those. But there was a lot of guys cast off from other organizations that had to fill in as starters. There just wasn't that depth. And when you're giving, you know, two fifths of your rotation to those kind of filler arms, that means you have, you know, you have less options coming up and going through. You're not getting to see as many players who can produce for you. Uh, my last time there in 2019, you know, McKenzie missed the first month due to injury and he came back and you did have McKenzie and Morgan were part of that pitching staff. Uh, I believe with Adam Scott, who's currently hurt, um, Jake Paulson, who's no longer with the organization who they had signed after the Reds let him go. And maybe Kyle Dowdy was the fifth who uh, the Rangers took in the rule five draft. And he's kind of been bouncing around AAA for the Indians past few years. Well, they acquired Dowdy midseason that year, but still you get my point. They, the pipeline in terms of hitting of hitters, we're seeing it build up in terms of pitching. It still really isn't quite there yet. Uh, when you're looking at each level has a really interesting hitting prospect there. When you look Nolan Jones, Ty Freeman, all the guys we talked about in Lake County, all the guys we've talked about in Lynchburg, there's, there's someone there holding it down Columbus I mean, maybe count McKenzie double a everyone's hurt. Uh, right now, the most interesting pitcher you can see in double-A is Nick Miklojak, the reliever. Then you get down to, you know, Lake County, we've talked about much with Pat, where that's a really interesting group. Lynchburg, not quite as much. Uh, so long, short story, long, long story story, however you want to look at it. One of the biggest issues for this Indians team right now is they just don't have the depth. They've kind of we got used to it developing and it's not there. And what hurts them is they got hit hard and lost, you know, their top three pitchers in the month of June. June was the month where they had this weak schedule. So one could argue it's the perfect time to lose your starting pitching because you're facing the weakest competition. One could also argue it's a bad time because this is the time where you got Shane Bieber out there instead of, Henches or Quantrell or Mejia, uh, and your chances of winning are just so much higher. Same with Savali, same with Plesak, who has had his inconsistencies, but he's still a better chance at a win. And with those three out, instead of gaining ground while they're facing the worst of the worst, they lost it. And, you know, Plesak has started um, his, why am I blanking on the word for it right now? Uh, you know, he started his minor league rehab assignment. And hopefully we'll get him up soon because the team needs needs that starting pitching. But yeah, we'll in the second segment of the show, we're going to talk about what is coming up in terms of schedule to see why maybe I'm not quite as bullish on uh, the Cleveland Indians chances and why 
though saying that, I still think they should be buyers in the right way when the deadline comes. But first, let's take a quick break to have a word from our sponsor here. Fully Loaded is our sponsor. Uh, we Fully Loaded has been our sponsor for about a month now on Fridays. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is a tobacco-free long cut and pouches that give the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All their nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded. Uh, Fully Loaded Chew is offering the Locked On team listeners a special offer. Right now, you can try a can for just a dollar. That's right, just one dollar. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use the promo code Locked On. Just one dollar and free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. Next time you go for dip, make it fullyloadedchew.com. So, and there's my so that lets everyone know we're back. 500 plus episodes, probably approaching 600, and I still can't break myself of the habit of the uh, the so in there. Let's talk about schedules, because that was what we said we'd talk about, right? Uh, before we, we dive into that, let's talk right now about the wild card. You're probably saying, hey, it's too early to talk about the wild card. Well, it's something you always have to keep in mind. Uh, the Indians are currently the first team out of the playoff picture. They are uh, five games back from Tampa, which would put them, I believe, like three and a half games back from Oakland. So they are as far away from Tampa as they are from the White Sox right now. Nice thing is Tampa, Oakland, and Cleveland are all four and six in the last 10 games. Uh, Game behind Cleveland is Seattle. I know we talked about them as kind of the bottom feeders, but they've been calling up their young talent and they have some players in place and they've actually not been as much of a bottom feeder. And then Toronto is eight and a half back. And surprisingly enough at that nine and a half games back or not, not, not nine and a half and nine games back, you've got uh, the Yankees. And also they have the angels listed there uh, because I think the angels have played less games, but yeah, that's, that's where you're kind of looking after the angels goes Detroit twins, Kansas city. Remember when Kansas city was like the best team in baseball when may started, uh, now they're third from the bottom in the American League. And it's also, again, if you're a longtime listener, uh, there are a lot of people who thought Kansas City was going to be the third best team in this division easily. And I kind of push back on that. And we're seeing that kind of be the case right now. The Rangers and then Baltimore. So, yeah, Baltimore there. Cleveland Indians schedule. Now we're going to jump into July. Obviously, we've got the Astros. Uh, unfortunate game. Mejia was really good until the fifth and it was going through the bottom of the lineup there that got him, but you got the Astros and you have the, you know, previously mentioned Rays. Royals gets a little bit easier before the all-star break. So that's kind of your take a breath time. Oakland, another potential playoff team, uh, the Houston Astros, the Rays Cardinals and the White Sox. That's right. Kansas city is the only team they will face who is under 500 in that entire month, after a month of facing teams, they were mostly under 500. After the White Sox, they have the Blue Jays, who we talked about. They do get the Tigers, and this is into August. Uh, and then it's also just you're going to start seeing some makeup games and things like that. Like they have a random game against the Reds on the 9th of August, which also means the schedule gets more difficult because the built-in rest, the built-in off days, are going to start disappearing at points. 
because there have been a lot of weather issues for the Indians this year. But it's a tough schedule. It's an incredibly tough schedule. You're talking about, let's see, outside, I, you know, I, I would have to go over. I need to look at the National League standings. So the Cardinals are now under 500. So there are technically two teams under 500 who the Indians will face. The Cardinals are two game series. The Royals are a four game series. Every other team they're facing uh, is currently listed as holding a playoff spot. So that is why this month is going to, you don't want to say make or break, but I mean, it does in a way, because at the end of the month is the trade deadline. So they have to make some hard decisions and I'll just keep bringing up the rule five because with the trade deadline, you know, this month, the Indians are going to have to figure some things out. Yes, they could technically make some trades after the season ended, but you have to lock in your rule, your roster. I'm trying to think when the exact lock in date is camera on the top of my head. Uh, so they, they have to, there's going to be hard choices. I have not mentioned the list in a while. I guess I could, pull it up and just mention all of the players that they are going to have to add that make this year, you know, something that is going to be brutal for lack of a better word. The reason why I keep harping on this is just the, the sheer number of prospects that need to be added. Aaron Bracho, we've talked about on the show many times, Tyler Freeman, George Valera, Freeman Valera, both top three prospects in the system. Brian Ricolio, who most people have in the top 10, Jose Tenya, Brian Levastida, the catcher we talked about a lot yesterday on the show. I originally talked about Robert Broom. He struggled this year. He might be off. Cody Morris was, he was a big helium guy. I could see a team risking a grab on him. The Indians typically protect pitchers. Uh, so Cody Morris, who he was one of the great stories, just hasn't been healthy. And then Joey Cantillo, who they got as part of the Clevenger deal. Again, they tend to protect pitchers. They don't, you know, that's why Mejia was protected uh, at a young age. So they don't mess around with that as much. And then the guys this year who make it, so you need to check, uh, probably going to have to add Francisco Perez. I probably will be the next reliever this team adds if they add someone to the 40 man. Uh, he just got caught up to AAA, so it's not anytime soon, but. Uh, he, go check out the numbers. He's been phenomenal. Richie Palacios, who we talked about on the show earlier this week, and Johnsky Noel, where he is low enough in the minors, then he's a corner infielder. They probably won't add him. They'll probably try to let him slide through. But yeah, that those are the names, and that's why again, you know, they have. Pardon me, they have that infield depth. We talked about, you know, Owen Miller got the call up for the doubleheader. We still, he's probably a utility guy long-term, but Ty Freeman's done enough to look like a starter. Gabriel Arias has played very well for a kid who went from high A to triple A, completely skipping double A as all of like 21, 22 years of age. Uh, Andres Jimenez is currently destroying triple A. What Rosario has done uh, up there as well. They have so many infielders. Now is the time. The one thing they don't have is a center fielder. Bradley Zimmer is not getting it done there. They're going to see what Oscar Mercado can do. He had to start tonight. I don't think either of those players are the answer. They don't really have an answer in their upper minors. You know, if Daniel Johnson was someone they had any faith in, he would have gotten an opportunity by now. He's not going to be someone they view as their answer in center field. Uh, the Ahmed Rosario experiment there kind of ended. By the way, he's now second on the team in war amongst hitters. 
So they need to get a center fielder. And we'll talk about that as the deadline gets closer. Like who are the young controllable center fielders a la, you know, uh, Cedric Mullins of Baltimore is probably the one that comes to mind, but it, that is probably the biggest position of need even more so than pitching. We talked about the pitching issues, but so much of that is just due to injury. In an ideal world, you'd have, you know, your big three pitchers. Scott Moss would have pitched by now. Like there, there, there's no one who's probably more upset than Scott Moss. Like he, this would have been a golden opportunity for him. He would have been the sixth guy up if he was healthy. Hasn't been. We haven't seen him at all this year. So it's the injuries have hurt. Yeah, it wouldn't kill them to add another starter. It, it just they don't they have a lot of question marks after the big three. No one has really stepped up and said, this is my spot. Mejia, Quantrell, everyone's been up and down. That's why, again, I'll continue to just talk about the Ohio kid and former Akron Zip JT Brubaker with the Pirates. Pirates seem open to trading anyone. Five years of team control. Good production numbers last two years. That's still my number one pitcher to uh, consider if the Cleveland Indians do decide to go that route. But, yeah, they're a team that is probably trending downwards. You know, the, why were they successful? They're successful. Um, they had an MVP candidate. They had strong starting pitching. Uh, the top three parts, at least, were were pitching well. Uh, good back end of the bullpen. And then they were able to take advantage of bad teams. Injuries have piled up. They were not able to take advantage of bad teams. They're starting to slip back already. I anticipate that there's going to be a little bit more of that. Uh, it's just, I don't know if they're going to fall out of second because that gap is so big between uh, the Twins and the Indians because of how badly the Twins have played. Honestly, the Twins are very likely to be sellers at the deadline anyway, so they that could be a team that really sees some big changes occur. But for the Indians, even if they do slip back, even if they were to fall behind the Twins, I still think they need to be buyers. And that is, again, if you're in a situation where you can only add, like, let's say they could only add six players to the 40-man. And I probably already closed my Twitter that had that up, didn't I? Because it would have been smart to keep that up. But, you know, who wants to do that? Uh, external monologues. Uh, so, yeah, you look at that list. Who are the six players they want to add for sure? Ty Freeman, George Valera. Those are those are the easy ones. Probably Rocco and Braccio. So that takes you up to four. So then who are you adding? I think, you know, at this point, it has to be Cantillo. He was a big part of the the Clevenger deal. So it takes you to five. If you're adding a sixth, you know, let's be safe and go to seven. I mean, seven roster spots. That's a lot. Francisco Perez and Richie Palacios. But then again, that's, you're leaving off a, a Cody Morris, a Jose Tenya, uh, Brian Levastida. Uh, they're leaving off a lot. They're going to lose players. And that's why at the end of the day, it just makes sense to condense talent. It makes a lot of sense to talk to a Pirates team who are in a deep rebuild. And, you know, Adam Frazier, I would not want to acquire him because he is, I don't want to trade for a guy who's in a weird uh, career year peak where you're going to pay too much for him. But, you know, Brian Robinson, Brian Robinson, Brian Reynolds, he struggled in 2020 in between that he's been great. Like if you can get him and I would be willing to give, you know, any number, if you could do 
a Reynolds Brubaker deal, I'd be willing to sell the farm. Because uh, again, there's so much depth. And by sell the farm, it's you're probably looking at not Nolan Jones, but I mean, they'd probably want Ty Freeman. And I know there's people would say no right away, but if you're getting a Brian Reynolds, you're giving up someone like Ty Freeman. Uh, but it's like a Freeman or a Coyo and more, you know, Bracho is probably involved. It would be a monster deal because um, Reynolds is so valuable, but yeah, you could get your center fielder and your starting pitcher there, or you could talk with the, uh, the Marlins about, um, we talked about uh, Cedric Mullins, or, you, you know, even if you just want short-term help, Reds aren't going anywhere. Uh, if you think you have a shot at the wild card, adding Wade Miley isn't the worst deal. So yeah, they're, the Indians, yeah, they're right now on the decline. Once they get healthy, they can hopefully start to turn things back around. And again, the offense has stepped up. The offense was such a concern. You look at that team now in terms of like runs created plus, they haven't had um, Bramwell Reyes, who's arguably their second best hitter all season. Uh, you know, they haven't had him for the last 30 plus games. You get him back. Talked about that this this week on the show, but you add that to with Bobby Bradley, Jose Ramirez, the way Ahmed Rosario has played, Harold Ramirez has played. Offensively, the team is starting to figure things out. There are some holes, but it's, it's the pitching. So they get healthy, a few minor fixes, and I still think this is a potential uh, wild card team. Let's take another quick break here for a sponsor break. You know our fantastic sponsors help, and we have two of my favorites. Built Bar. So Built Bar is a sponsor. I love Built Bar. Uh, I order Built Bar. I buy this product. It is not just, hey, they're a sponsor. This is a product I buy. Yes, they do send us flavors in the mail as well. I won't lie. They do send us occasional free bars. But it's a little box. I get like five bars in a box. No, I need the big orders. I need the big boxes. What I always recommend is you want to go there. And do the mix box. Find out what flavor is for you. Currently, German chocolate cake, orange, and strawberry, which are seasonal flavors, are available. Those are always fun to do. You can make your own box. But go over to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your order. That is the same discount I myself get as a returning customer. I think I've had four or five orders from Built Bar in the last year. It's a go-to. I love it. And on top of the fact that it's a delicious tasting... My little food app gives it an A for grade. So it's healthy and it tastes great and it's filling and it gives you energy. It's the perfect bar. Go check out Built Bar for yourself today. And then our other fantastic sponsor is Bet Online. So let's go over to betonline.ag. Let's see what they give the Indians line for tomorrow's game. Uh, we always go over to our friends at betonline.ag to check out the line on the Indians game. Remember when you go to betonline.ag, you want to use the promo code locked on. That gives you a 5-0, 50% bonus on your first deposit. So the Indians, unsurprisingly, in a McCullers versus Henches matchup, are getting the run and a half. I think that would be expected. Uh, straight line for the Indians, plus 100, negative 120 for McCullers. Uh, it is a not a great matchup for this Indians team. I'll be honest. Uh, it's not one where I would want to be betting on our Indians. But if it is a line where you'd want to bet for or against the Indians, remember to go to Bet Online today. That is betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKED ON to get your 50% bonus on your first deposit. So I mentioned that I have 
many a window open. You know, so here's closing the standings. Uh, today's game, I guess I, I haven't talked about a game in a while, so let's just dive into this one. The Indians struggled with Framber, and he's pitched so well this year. Seven innings for Framber. Valdez over the course. I mean, he's got a two one eight ERA. Uh, going more into like advanced stats and numbers. Kind of surprised he's not higher on this list for the uh, Ray, Rays, the Astros, when it comes to war, that he is below Jake Odorizzi. But he's only had the six starts. I forgot he was hurt to start the year. His FIP is a three six three, so not you know his ERA is a little low. His bat pip is a little low. He's been a little lucky. He's just he's not walking players though. He's got a low walk rate. He's missing bats. Uh, he's pitched very well. Lance McCullers, who the Indians are facing uh, tomorrow, he can be a little wilder. But we've talked about it many times on the show. This Indian team just doesn't walk a lot. Uh, now, saying that, they did have I want to say three walks in this one. No, six walks in this one, which is really high for them. Most games I go through these box scores, and they've got zero to two. I can't recall a six. And again, I'm like, am I sure that's the right bot? Yeah, it's six. Two by Harold Ramirez, which is, again, weird because he doesn't walk. He doesn't really strike out. He doesn't really walk either, but he had two for the Indians. Uh, Bobby Bradley doesn't walk. He had one of those. And you had Clement, who is another player who doesn't really walk. Uh, these got Bobby Bradley strikes out a ton, but Clement and Harold Ramirez are both very similar in that they don't strike out, but they don't really walk. Uh, Hedges can walk some, and Cesar Hernandez can walk some, so those aren't as big of a surprise. Who reached base twice in this one? It's a consistent thing I do. Uh, Yu Chen Chang, who came in, had a pair of hits, and reaching base twice, uh, of course, Howard Ramirez, because he had two walks. He also had a hit. I believe that's it. I believe those are the only two players to manage to do that uh, for the Indians. If we're going to do our three stars for the Indians in this one, <laughs> a bit hard. But uh, Harold Ramirez and Yu Chang make it a little bit easy. Chang goes two for three. Uh, Harold Ramirez goes one for two, but also has two walks. I often like to try to highlight one pitcher. Now, Phil Maiden does go two innings, one hit, one strikeout, one walk. Let's give it to him. Those are your three stars in the 7-2 loss. Not really a game that you want to give some stars to. If you can get rid of the fifth inning, Mejia is a star. It's just that darn fifth inning for him. The wheels just came off. Again, it's his what third time through the lineup, which is always dangerous, but he got through the hard part and then it just, well, then the hard part came back around, but double walk sacrifice. They're giving you the out. Uh, yeah. And the sack bunt, the problem is that, you know, it, it scored a sack bunt, but no out was recorded. So then you get the grand slam uh, another single. That's when they do the switch. And uh, I mean, it's so then what happens, you know, we talked about Phil Maiden as player of the game. He immediately comes in, gives up a double and a sacrifice. So, you know, one more run comes across through that and then a walk and then he gets the double play. So it's not the best, but he still goes two innings without giving up a run, which in this game uh, might be enough because it was such a struggle yeah, it's Mejia had been looking better and better, but he's not. I mean, he essentially went from low A to the majors. I mean, he missed time due to injury and then lost 2020. Him jumping up and jumping into the spot is 
it's a surprise, but you know, the issues are there and the development is still behind. And that's why you got a guy out there with an ERA over six. And when you face a team like the Astros, they're, you know, this isn't facing those bottom teams. You could kind of get away with the, the players who are going to make more mistakes when you're facing the good teams, they take advantage of the mistakes, and they did. Did and the Indians lost this one seven to two. It's I I know last year I did a lot of like positional by position comparisons, and I haven't had as much time to do that this year. Uh, we'll get to that hopefully more next week as we compare and talk about some of these upcoming games. But very quickly here at the end, uh, I just wanted to say. I'm Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily, all that fun stuff. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.